Hello listeners, I'm Gabriel with Below the Radar, a knowledge democracy podcast. Below the Radar is recorded on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. On this episode of Below the Radar, our host Am Joao is joined by Lama Mbugabo, founding director of Building Bridges with Rwanda, a campaign manager with the BC Poverty Reduction Coalition and a member of the Organs Ali Walking Group. Together, they discuss local training and advocacy programs for people with lived experience of homelessness and other marginalizing barriers. Ogans Ali Society's advocacy in Vancouver's historically black neighborhood and Lama's capacity building and educational work in Rwanda. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to Below the Radar. Delighted that you could join us again uh, this week. We have a special guest, uh, Lama Mugabo, with us today. Welcome, Lama. Thank you, Anne. Uh, Lama, wondering if we can begin with you introducing yourself a little bit. Yes, I'm a community planner. I wear two hats. I work globally and locally. Globally, I founded an organization called Building Bridges with Rwanda, so my organization supports sustainable development projects in Rwanda. And uh, in locally, uh, I work for BC Poverty Reduction Coalition as a, a community action network campaign manager, and we're based here at 312. But I'm also doing some work with Simon Fraser University, where I'll be teaching a course in spring 2023, uh, looking at Rwanda's transformation from a failed state in 1994 to a model state today. Um, yeah, so I'm doing both global and local. Yeah, great. Um, Lama, let's start with the BC Poverty Reduction Coalition. It's been doing a lot of work um, intervening in policy debates, carrying out its own research, and also uh, community organizing uh, and capacity building. And wondering if you can speak a little bit to uh, the types of projects that you're taking on right now. Mm-hmm. So CAN, Community Action Network, is a leadership training program we have for people who are living in poverty or who have lived experience in poverty. And we give them a seven-week course where they learn how to become an advocate, how to um, put forward the issues and, and work on committees. In New Westminster, the municipality embraced us and brought our, our, our training in council chambers. So we run those uh, trainings there. Uh, people graduate, they serve on committees. What I like about uh, what the New Westminster uh, is doing is that they bring in people with lived experience, not as an afterthought, but as they're making the policy. So they're working on homelessness issues, on housing issues, on, um, you know, a sanctuary city. New Westminster is a sanctuary city. So those, those types of interventions. We're also taking CAN to Kelowna uh, next week. There will be running five, five workshops, again, training people to become advocate to um, make the changes they see fit. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in terms of um, uh, policy areas that the Poverty Reduction Coalition has uh, gotten involved in over the years, I'm wondering if you can sort of speak to sort of some major areas that I- is your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
One of the projects that we did, which was really successful, was to advocate on behalf of low-income folks access to um, transit. We know that when you have limited income, at the end of the month, you have to balance your budget. And you can imagine some parents have to choose food over transit. And so we find this is inhumane. We find that uh, uh, people on low income should give a reduced um, bus pass that looks exactly the same as the ordinary one because we don't want color code them. So when you bring out your car, people go, oh my God, you're on welfare. And so we want to be fair, we want to be humane. Um, so yes, uh, transit, transit justice, all on board, we call the campaign. And so we've been working on, on housing issues in New West, and it's going very well. Great. And now, uh, Lama, I know you've um, been uh, doing a lot of work in the downtown east side over the years, Carnegie Community Action Project and others, but also uh, Hogan's Alley, uh, of course, as well. And wondering if you can speak a little bit to uh, the work that you've done uh, organizing uh, within the downtown east side community. So when I came back from Rwanda in 2016, after serving there for seven years, I came back and I was looking for something to do, and I came across Carnegie Community Action Project, which is a community-based organization that was fighting for um, uh, to end gentrification and, and really help people stay in this low-income community. Because basically what gentrification has been doing is to displace low-income folks out of here because they're flipping what used to be affordable housing to something like 1500 a month when welfare is on 700 so really inhumane. So and then I came, um, I joined a Hoganzale Working Group, as most of you know. There used to be a black community here called Hoganzale. It was located in Strat Corner, um, around Maine, Union, Gore, and Pryor. But Hoganzale ran from uh, uh, Gore to Jackson where there was a church. We know uh, names like Nora Hendricks, Jim Hendricks' grandmother who played a major role as a community builder. She uh, helped uh, found the uh, chapel, uh, Fountain Chapel, a church that the community owned. Uh, but also she cooked a vice chicken and steak house and was also um, a choir singer. Um, so Hoganzale is an important story that most people don't know about. This community thrived between 1919 to 1972 when the city brought its bulldozers to build um, Georgia and viaducts. So those viaducts, we consider them monuments of our displacement. Um, luckily, in 2016, uh, City Council uh, had a public uh, hearing where they announced that these viaducts will be taken down. And black people were present to remind Vancouver rights that there used to be a black community here and they would like to bring it back. And to the city's credit, they worked with us, uh, Hoganzale Working Group, for two years and we put together a proposal which was approved in 2018. And so the revitalization of Hoganzale 
is part of Northeast Falls Creek area plan. And uh, we're very delighted to announce that recently the city of Vancouver has signed a memorandum of understanding with Hoganzale Society to give back this land. So we hope to use community land trust to make sure that what amenities we put there, people thrive. We want uh, businesses, we want housing, we want a cultural center, we want a garden and a daycare. So this is exciting time for Vancouver. I think um, once the St. Paul Hospital moves there, they remove the viaducts, then we begin the major job of building the community brick by brick. Uh, that sounds really um, exciting and, and what a, a testament to the organizing that the group has been doing. Um, wondering if you have a sense of the timeline of what, what the city is uh, planning around the viaducts coming down. Mm, we know it's going to take more than $300 million. We also know it's going to take at least five years. So really, uh, it's a, it's a long-term it's a it's a long term plan, uh, and we're really excited about with Black youth who are going to take on this work to build a community going forward. Great, um, uh, Lum. I also wanted to ask you about um, I mean, your your history in the downtown east side. Actually, goes back a long ways. Um, used to um, uh, did you work as an apartment manager? If that if I remember the story around Expo eighty six. Yes, correct. I. Back in the day, a friend of mine owned a cleaning business. So, so we go into these uh, buildings once they complete uh, re- re- renovated, and we clean them up before tenants move in. So we got a contract at the corner of Maine and Hastings, the Ford building. And uh, the building was owned by affordable housing at the time. They completely renovated the inside and the exterior, as you can see, has maintained its uh, character. And after we finished uh, the job there, the manager called me in and she said, um, well, we have a position here for manager. The person who had been hired relapsed into drinking. And, and so they need someone to fit the position. And uh, I, took, I took the position. Now, it was an amazing place. Um, first of all, it was uh, an, had an amazing view at the top. Uh, you could see the whole Vancouver, the roof, you could see the mountains, South Vancouver and so on. But also it was an opportunity to provide housing for low-income people who did not have homes. Now, remember, this is in 86. The housing crisis was nowhere near what we see today. And um, so I worked there for a good two years, uh, just during Expo 86. And... um, you know, I, I, I got to know the people, the community, and, and so later when, when I came back, um, the, com- the community had completely changed, though. Mind you, housing was really insane, uh, homelessness, and uh, tent city, the whole works. So, yes, uh, I've seen this community change over the years, and um, I'm, I'm really uh, proud to be part of this community. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing work for a long time uh, in Rwanda. 
over the years. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to the work that you're doing there now. Mm -hmm. Basically, I came here as a political refugee from uh, Burundi. I was Rwandan living in Burundi. Went to Pearson College, an amazing two-year transformation, transformed my life. Uh, it's a United World College. And what I liked about that school was uh, they, 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 they taught us how to give back to the community. So I was involved in social work, social service, and we would go into the city, work with kids at the Y, and, and help work with seniors in group homes. That really um, resonated with me, and it propelled me into a career in international development. Fast forward, 1994, genocide in Rwanda happens, and of course I'm devastated. And then uh, 2004, I was working at Leo Institute for Global Issues at UBC, where we did a national campaign to raise awareness of what happened in Rwanda and what Rwandans were doing to rebuild the society. And throughout uh, this, this campaign, Canadians said to us, we are sorry our country looked the other way and a million people were, uh, lives were lost. What can we do as private citizens to help you rebuild your society? So I took that to be a call to action and started building bridges with Rwanda as a platform that would give opportunity for Canadians who wanted to travel to Rwanda, learn the history, learn the culture, uh, acquaint themselves with development uh, story of Rwanda, and then come back to tell what they what they saw. And I went to Rwanda from 2008 to 2015. And there we worked with in a community rural area where we built a, a center of innovation. We brought more than 600 volunteers to Rwanda from eight different countries. Uh, we provided scholarships to Rwandan students and, and also put money in people's pocket because these tourists will bring, um, will visit the country and leave money in the country. So that was really great. So now that I'm here, we recalibrated BBR. It's established in BC, and we'll be taking people to Rwanda to experience Rwanda's transformation. Uh, 2019, I joined hands building bridges with Rwanda, joined hands with Hogan Zale Society, and Simon Fraser University. We launched what we called Remember Rwanda 25-Year Legacy Project. And so under RR25, we plan to take uh, people to Rwanda every summer to visit key development projects, learn how Rwanda transformed from a failed state in 94 to what is a, a, a model state today. And also we want to do a conference here that will get people to talk, not only present papers, but do collaborative work and, and give something back to Rwanda. Um, in terms of uh, where your work started um, initially there to what you're working on now uh, with Rwanda, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that shifted and changed over time and, and um, you know, what are the particular, in as much as uh, Rwanda can now be viewed as a success story in a number of indicators and factors, what are still some of the, the challenges that need to be worked through? Mm -hmm. You're right. Uh, Rwanda has really uh, made a, a remarkable transformation. And we, 
give thanks to the wisdom of, of Rwandans who were able to tap into the traditional knowledge of homegrown solutions. And this is what happened. So 1994, uh, Rwandans liberate their country. It wasn't US, it wasn't France. Rwandans liberated Rwanda. So that gave us ownership, number one. Number two, when we came back, uh, my mother went to uh, claim her land and the land officer said, uh, ma'am, do you have uh, any children? My father's passed. Do you have any children? Yes, I have three daughters. Do you have a son? Yes, I do. Well, go bring the son. I said, my son doesn't live here. Too bad. You have to wait until he comes. Can you believe that? Women fought to liberate this country. And now they've been told that they're, they don't count. So uh, they push back. And to Rwanda's uh, credit, they incorporate, they change the constitution that made not only women equal to men, but they also did something remarkable. Because uh, Rwanda uh, was in balance, they made sure that 30% went straight to women, 30% to youth, and 30% to people with disability. Today, Rwanda is number one leader in the world in terms of female representation in the parliament. So we still have things to work through. Imagine in, in 2000, we had a, a, an ambitious program of Vision 2020, where we wanted to lift the country from uh, highly indebted uh, nations to middle-income economy, and we use homegrown solutions like Omuganda, where every Saturday people get together to clean the environment, get to know each other, talk about um, you know issues that affect them. We we, we have universal health care; everybody has health care, uh, education, and also for me. Uh, Rwandans have been working through things like equality. You know, young people, a young man uh, had a challenge accepting the equality, but now they're really beginning to see uh, how it's a win-win for everyone. So the challenges are really lifting people out of poverty it takes a lot of um, work. But also imagine Rwanda is, has neighbors. So when Rwanda rises, Burundi is looking and say, you make us look bad. <laughs> and Congo is doing the same thing. So it, it's, that's a challenge, not just within Rwanda, but in the region. Hmm. Uh, in terms of the work uh, that you've been doing, I know you've been working also with a number of community groups here in, in Vancouver, but where do you see the work going in the, in the future? Hmm. Well, I, I was encouraged the work we did at Hogan's Alley Society, looking how the community embraced us, particularly young people. I remember in 2020, after uh, George Floyd had been publicly lynched and there was an uh, uprising around the world, in Vancouver, young people set up a blockade on Hogan's Alley, on those viaducts for two days and two nights. So to me, that speaks to the solidarity and I'm, and I'm very hopeful that going forward will bring all this energy together to really build um, what will be uh, an amazing place, not only for black people, but for Vancouver mm. uh, as a whole. Yeah, Lama, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, um, we would like people um, to follow our work. Uh, my website is lamamugabo.com. Next year, we're planning to send... Uh, uh, 15 people 
on a reflection tour to Rwanda, uh, please uh, contact us, uh, let us know if you're interested, but definitely we, we look forward to engaging people more and more now that COVID-19 is on the way out. Okay. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Below the Radar, Lama. My pleasure to be here and thank you and keep up the good work in the community. Below the Radar is a knowledge democracy podcast created by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Lama Mugabo. To learn more about his work, head to the show notes below. You can follow us on social media at SFU underscore VOC to keep up to date on new podcast releases. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on Below the Radar.